0: this morning? Oh, I do much better if you answer back. So how's everyone doing this morning? Good. Good. You guys have an awesome worship band. You really do. And I actually, yeah, they deserve that. And I actually um, really love coming into a church like this where people actually sing. And I can hear you guys worship and you can really feel that. I said last night that I felt that the worship team sort of um, my, my sort of impression or idea of what a worship team does for us is that they kind of plow the way. It's like you're going down a path like in the Amazon jungle, and it's not a cleared path. And they're like, they're kind of hacking the way. And we get to follow behind, and they kind of just hack through all that brush so that we can come into the Word with clarity. Do you know what I mean by that? Like they're just plowing the way for us to come in and to meet with Jesus. And so I always appreciate that. You guys have a great team here. Well, as Mark said, my name is Brenda. We did go to Bible school together, but I don't remember that. I don't remember him being there at all. In fact, I thought Mark, he's, he's a bit younger than I am. I thought he was just a kid when I was in Bible school. Like I remember his family, but I thought he was like still in high school. I can't believe he's actually that old. Um, <clears throat> but I have known him. for I said I was older. Come on, I'm being nice before I came out here, when he asked me to come, I was excited to come. He said he had a Saturday night service and a Sunday morning service, and I actually went and had coffee with Mark's parents. How many know Jackie and Howard? You guys know them? Okay. Went and had coffee with them a couple weeks ago, and they warned me about the Saturday night crowd. (laughs) They said, now, you're going to love it, but just be ready for this Saturday night crowd. And then I came last night, and the Saturday night crowd warned me about all of you. So... (laughs) I don't know. We'll see how it goes from here. But we had a really great time last night. I think we're going to have a great time again today. I hope it's okay that I walk around. I'm assuming this is how Mark speaks to you every week anyway, that I'm allowed to be in your face a little bit. So I hope that's okay. Now, um, when I tell you this, I think you're going to understand because you all know Mark so well. When we first talked a couple of months ago about me coming here today, he told me he was going to be doing a series on parenting. So I prepared a message about parenting. And then when we talked a couple of days ago, he says, well, actually, we've been talking about mission and discipleship. And I was like, what? (laughs) I prepared a message on parenting. So I've kind of merged the two today, and we're going to just see what happens and what comes out of it. Is that okay? How many of you here are actually parents? I saw a lot of kids here playing and running around. That's awesome. I love seeing them up here worshiping and playing in the services. Uh, it's so great that they're a part of what you do and they're a part of the family here. I grew up in church myself too. I was one of those little kids who was right at the front. Um, my dad was a pastor uh, and we I grew up in St. Thomas just down the road here. He was a pastor there for 35 years And so I grew up on the front row of church my whole life. And that comes with its own set of (laughs) blessings and challenges. Um, And so um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my dad's story and about our story as we go on and a little further into my message today. But that was was my upbringing. That was my life. And I went my own way for a few years during my teenage years for about four or five years. I kind of went my own way decided I didn't need faith. I didn't need what my parents followed. I was going to carve my own path because I knew better than everybody else, right? Um, So I tried it my own way. Didn't work. Ended up in a whole mess of trouble and came back to the Lord around the time I was about 20. Came down to an altar just like this. I knelt down. When I stood up, the lights were off and everyone was gone. And God had spoke to my heart that day and he gave me a dream that i was going to do this one day that i that i was wired like my dad and i was going to stand up and i was going to preach in front of people one day i was overwhelmed i didn't know what to do with that ended up in bible school and then by the time i graduated bible school i was married and pregnant with my first child so i was like well god i don't know how that fits into your plan but we talked about it and i decided i was going to stay home with my kids so i have four kids they're now 22 20 16 and 14 Those three younger ones are girls, so it is very chatty in our house all of the time. And once I stayed home with them for 15 years, but once they went to school, I was like, oh, I'm almost 40. What am I going to do with my life now? So I kind of crashed a little bit because I'd put my identity into being their mom. You know, like I put everything into that, and then I was like, they don't need me anymore. What do I do? So God was, was leading me on this journey back to my roots and back to faith and speaking and I pastored for the last five years at Central Community Church in St. Catharines where I live with my husband. And I just stepped away from that about a year ago to pursue traveling. So I speak at women's conferences and churches and it's starting to grow and I'm so glad that Mark invited me to be here with you today. So that's enough about me. First time I'm around I do like to introduce myself just so you know where I come from and what I do. But what I really want to talk to you about today is The fact that we are living out our faith. We are called to live by faith. We are called to walk by faith. That's what the Bible says. It's why we're called believers, right? Because we believe in something. And we believe in something that we believe has the power to change lives, to change destinies. And it has the power to actually change generations of people. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the fact that Mission and discipleship and living out our faith begins in the home. It begins when we're raising our kids. It begins as early as the, you know, when they're still in the womb to the day they're born, we're raising them to understand the things of faith. Now, there's a lot of things that we teach our kids, whether it's intentional or not intentional. We're always teaching our kids something. And if we're not intentional about it, we might teach them the wrong things. Does that make sense? If we're not actually intentional in thinking about what we're teaching them, they might get the wrong message. But as we live our lives, I'm pretty sure our kids are going to grow up to be like us. Now, my son, I said he's 22, he recently took an internship in Richmond Hill. And he moved into an apartment there. And I would actually wake up at night panicking, thinking, did I teach him to take the lint out of the dryer? Or... You know, I know he knows how to make macaroni, but does he know how to make anything else? And I'm thinking about all these things. Did I teach him this? Does he know how to do this? And I, I worry about him. I'm I'm worried what his apartment looks like right now. He's been there for a couple of months. I don't know if he's cleaned it at all. Like, who knows, right? I worry about him, and I worry about the things that I've taught him. And I wonder, you know, there's bigger things than that. What did he learn from us about work ethic? How does how does he, you know, treat his boss or talk about his boss and, and... There's these big issues in life, but even bigger than that is our faith. So we wonder, how are our kids going to live out their faith? And as a parent, I know we have one thing for sure in common. And that is that we want our kids to go farther than us. We want them to be braver than us and bolder than us and more courageous than us and wiser than us. We want them to be able to do more in their generation than we were able to do in ours. We want them to be able to cast off every fear and insecurity, anything that would want to hold them back and run with passion with their faith into the next generation. Isn't that what we want for our kids? We want them to be able to do better than us. And so I'm going to show you a promise in the Bible in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to talk just for a second about faith. And what our faith actually is and what we're teaching our kids about faith. And when you, when you look in the Bible and you start to investigate about faith, one of the, the you know, most well-known chapters that we go to is Hebrews chapter 11. And in, in Hebrews chapter 11, we have this list of the forefathers of our faith. And it's like, it's like a record book of all of the things that they accomplished and did in their lives and in their generations by faith. By faith, Moses led his people out of Egypt. By faith, Noah built an ark and protected his family. By faith, by faith, right? And we read this account of what they did. And sometimes I think we look at these accounts of these Old Testament people and we think, that's not relevant to me. We read their stories. Do you ever do that? I do that. I read their stories and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't don't know how this, this ancient story is relevant to me and my family but i believe when we read the scriptures and we read these stories about abraham and moses and joseph and jacob when we read these stories i believe the holy spirit breathes fresh life on it and he says this is a promise for you and this is something you can take out of this story for your family and i believe that every single one of those people who are who we testify about in hebrews 11 had a story that we can take for ourselves. Abraham was called to be the father of many nations, and you may not be called to be the father of many nations, but you are called to be a father in this time and this generation to the people who are around you. And Moses, he was called to lead his people out of slavery. And that may not be your you know, exact calling, but you are called to lead people to Jesus in this generation. And lead them out of their slavery that they don't even know that they're in. And Noah, he was called to build an ark. For for over 100 years, he worked on this ark. And it saved his family. And that ark was a place of protection. And I believe that our homes are meant to be like an ark. They're meant to be a place of protection for our families. And I believe that it can be built as a place so that even when their their friends come in, they go, wow, it's so peaceful here. I just love being at your house because the atmosphere is different in your house. And as parents, we're called to build that. And I believe that just as Jacob did at the end of his life, that you'll be able to lay your hands on your kids and your grandkids and bless them to be a blessing and to carry faith into their generations. Do you believe that with me? Every one of those stories has something that we can apply. So we're talking about faith. What exactly is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 starts out by saying this famous line. If you've been in church for any time, you've probably heard it before. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? The evidence of things not seen. You all know this scripture? You're getting quiet. Don't get quiet on me. It's okay. The substance of things hoped for, that was always felt like a contradiction to me. How does something that I hope for, how does something that I don't have yet, how does that have substance? Because substance I can hold onto, substance I can grasp onto, but something I hope for, I don't know how to hold onto that. Do you follow? Like you follow why I'm confused, right? (laughs) I never understood that. Until God showed me this, that back in Hebrews 6, verses 16 to 19, he talks about the faith of Abraham. And he actually says in these scriptures that if you want to learn about faith, look at the life of Abraham. Look at the example of Abraham. And he walks through Abraham's story. And if you read those scriptures, when you go home, Hebrews 6, 16 through 19, you'll see probably at least four or five different little phrases about Abraham's life that are very significant when it comes to faith. But one of the things that it says in the scripture gave me an understanding of the substance that I can hold on to when it comes to faith. It says there are two unshakable, unchangeable things when it comes to God and faith in God. His word or his promises to us. And he says he backs up his word with his character. And these become two pillars, two things that we can actually stand on. I see it like, like spiritual legs. His promises and his word and his character backs it up and we can stand on that. And I believe that becomes the substance that we can hold on to when we're waiting for a promise from God, when we're believing for something we haven't seen yet, when we're believing for a promise for our family, for our kids who aren't serving the Lord, for our family members who aren't saved yet, when we're believing for something we haven't seen yet, we can trust in God's word in His promises to us, You may say, "I've never heard God speak to me." Well, He does less often than He actually will bring us to something in His word. And whatever he speaks into your heart is going to be backed up by this word. He can't contradict it. He can't say anything that's outside of it because this is his promise to us. And so if you're looking for a promise for your life or for your family, I guarantee you what you need is in this book. You've just got to find it and start to apply it to your life. And, you know, sometimes we're waiting for the promise to manifest. It takes time. How long did Abraham have to wait to have a son? How long did Noah have to wait until one drop of rain fell? Sometimes we have to hold on. Sometimes we have to hold on and wait for that promise. Let me say it to you this way. Do you know what this is? Yeah. We all get this every week, right? This big bundle of flyers. Now, I live in the country, it's smaller now than it used to be when I lived in the city. It was huge. I swear, like every store in the city wanted to advertise their prices to me. And I remember these would come on Friday. And when my kids were little and they were in school, I actually looked forward to Friday afternoons around 3 or 4 o'clock when the paperboy would come. And I would sit down with my coffee. I'd throw on a movie and get rid of the kids. You know, come on, don't pretend you don't do that. Here, watch Dora. No, sorry, it's not Dora anymore. She's probably not even on anymore. I'm showing how old I am. But anyway, I would sit down with a coffee and the flyers because there was things that we needed for our family. There was things that we were looking for, and we needed them to go on sale. Now, I don't work for any of these companies. I don't have stocks, but come on, you know Canadian Tire. That barbecue set you've been looking for, it's going to go on for like 75% off, right? You know that. So you wait, and you watch every week, waiting in anticipation, because you know eventually it's going to go on sale. Now, some of you also know the character of the stores that you work at, or sorry, that you shop at. Because you know if you take all of these flyers, they'll honor every advertised price. I know, because I've been in line behind you at the grocery store. And you're pulling out every single one of these flyers saying the chicken's on sale here and the beef's on sale over there, right? You're getting it all at one store because you know the character of the store you go to and you know they're going to honor whatever you bring in there, right? Now, imagine this. Imagine if you went to the store and that thing that you've been waiting for went on sale. And you're so excited. You know, you get up early Saturday morning You go into the store because you you don't want it to sell out. You get there. You get your product. You go to the desk, and you're all excited. You say to the girl, I'm so excited this went on sale this week. And she says, oh, I'm sorry we made a mistake. You can't have that for that price this week. I've been behind you in line too. You almost lose your Christianity over that, right? You get mad. You pull out the flyer. You're like, no, it says right here in black and white. You have to honor your word to me, right? We pull it out and we put it in front of them because they have to honor their word. Now I wonder, do we treat the promises in this book the same way? Do we look for them eagerly like there's something in the pages of this book that we need desperately in our lives? Do we sit down with it, with our coffee And look in it and go, God, I need something today from you. Are we in it on a regular basis? Are we looking for what we need with anticipation because we know it's going to be in this book? And when we find it, when we get that promise that we need from God, and it doesn't happen right away. We get excited when we first see the promise. We're like, God showed me something. You know, he took me straight to this scripture. He showed it to me, and I'm so excited because this was a word for me, for my family, or, or for my health, or for my home. And we get excited for a couple of weeks, but then nothing changes. And we go, well, maybe that promise isn't for today. Or, you know, maybe I just ate too much pizza the night before. Maybe God didn't really show me that. And we start to lose hope. And I'm here today to just say, sometimes it's the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. Sometimes we need to take his word back before him. Just like we would in the store and say, God, you promised It says in your word, and I believe it, and I know your character, and I know you're going to back up your word. So even though I don't see it happening yet, even though I don't see it manifesting yet in my family, I believe your promise, and I am not going to give up until I see it happen. And I believe that it will. My dad didn't get saved until later in life. And he was probably about 35. He didn't grow up in faith. He didn't grow up in an environment where he was learning about that. He had a radical salvation experience at about 35 years of age. And he walked down to an altar just like this. He smoked two packs a day. He put his cigarettes on the altar and he walked away and he never had another cigarette in his life. Poured all of his alcohol down the drain and he changed his life that day. A few years later, God called him to plant a church. Now, when we first started that church, I was about four or five years old. I have four older brothers. We went the first week. My my dad had rented a karate dojo. So during the week, it was used for karate, and we set it up on Sunday with a few chairs and music stand like this, and we were going to have church. And he put an ad in the paper, new church is starting. And I walked in the first time. I was horrified. There was this huge mural of a fist on the wall, like, coming out at you. I was like, what happens in this place during the week? I don't know. But we showed up that first Sunday, and our family, our little family sitting in the front row, we were the only ones. No one else came. And there we sat, and I was like, oh, good. We get to go home. No. No. My dad sang every verse to every hymn he had planned. He preached his entire sermon. He even took up an offering, and it was just us. And all we had was K- a KFC bucket that we'd had for dinner the night before because it was like, that. that's all we had. And we cleaned up the chairs, and we went home, and we did it again the next week and the next week. And all he kept saying was, God gave me a word, and I trust him. And on the fourth week, one woman came into our church, and he was like, yes! And then the next week, a family came, and we were like, we doubled. It's revival. Like, it was awesome. And slowly, that little church began to grow. But I've often wondered over the years how hard that must have been for my dad. Up until that point, he'd been a butcher in his life. He didn't know anything about what it meant to run a church. But he trusted the word of God. And he stepped out in faith. And he believed that something amazing was going to happen in his city and in his generation. And today, I get to pick up and carry on where he left off. He's no longer able to preach. He's, he's had a few strokes. He lives in a nursing home. But he's, he's proud of me and the, and the way that I'm able to pick up and carry his message into the next generation. Isn't that what we would want for our children? Now I want to take you, um, I know you usually end around 11. We're getting really close to that. So I'm going I'm to close really quickly. But I want to take you to one promise in the Bible for your family for today. Is that okay? Because I want you to, to see something here that God so clearly says that you can take home and apply for your family. So we're looking today in 2 Samuel 7. And let me just really briefly set up this story. This is a story about King David. And, and we're jumping in later in his story when he's actually reigning as king a little later in his life. But we know that we met David as a young, young man, as a teenager, out in the fields tending the sheep. He was a young shepherd boy. And it says, even as a young man, he had a heart that was after God's heart. His heart was after God's heart. And we know that he was anointed as king and he went through some different things in his life before he became king. But here he is in his palace later in life, his heart after God. And he looks around and he realizes that the Ark of the Covenant is still being carried around in a tent, right? The Israelites had been sort of nomads living, wandering around. And so the Ark of the Covenant had been in a tent for all these years because it was mobile. But now they were in a more permanent location. David's in his palace and he looks around him. And in 2 Samuel 7, 2, he says, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. He's like, there's something wrong with this picture. There's something not right about this. I have a beautiful home. I have every, every you know, beautiful thing around me and God's living in a tent. That's messed up. So he sets in his heart that he wants to build a permanent home for God. He wants to build the temple. But God says, no, you're not going to do it. Actually, your son is going to do it. And I want to read a couple of verses because this is a promise, a covenant that God made to David. Starting in verse 8, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and I appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone And I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great. Like the the names of the greatest men on earth. And here we are still talking about David today. He is one of the greatest names. One of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel. I'll plant them so that they'll have a home of their own. No longer to be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people. I will also give you rest from your enemies. Now listen, here's here's the key. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. And when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Now, this, this has a sort of a two, two-part kind of meaning. He's talking about his actual son Solomon, who will succeed him on the throne, be one of the wisest kings that Israel has ever known, and he's the one who will build the temple to house the Ark of the Covenant. But he's also talking about Jesus, who was coming down the line, who was going to establish the kingdom of God and reign on that throne forever. But I want to stay in, in, in the, the physical part of talking just about Solomon for a minute, because if I could rephrase what God said to David here, I'd say it this way. Because you're concerned about building my house, I'm concerned about building your house. And I believe that's a promise that we can stand on today for our families. And you might not have grown up in church. And you might have come to faith later in life. But as you rearrange your life around the principles of God, as you reorganize the things in your life around your faith, it will have an impact on the people around you. It will have an impact on your children. And I know some of you may have come to faith later. And you may be thinking, what if? Maybe you've thought that many times. What if I'd known sooner? What if I knew when my kids were younger and I was able to do things differently? What if I would taught them better? What if? And I just, I just so believe today that God wants to take any guilt or shame away from us. There's no statute of limitations on God's promises. It doesn't matter how old you are or how old your kids are. This promise is still here for you. As you arrange your life around the things that are important to God, as you build his house, he will build your house. That's a promise for us today. Isn't that a good promise from God's word? And so that's really all I have to say today. That's what I want to leave you with this morning. Is just this thought that as you focus yourself on building God's house, he's going to be concerned about building your house. And he is just as concerned, if not more, for your kids than you are. Because he's their daddy too. And he loves them. And he is pursuing them with the same grace and love that he pursued you with. And he got a hold of you in your life and he's going to get a hold of them too. This is a promise you can hold on to. So I just want to pray a prayer over you today as we close. And I want to claim this word, this blessing that was for David, this covenant that God made with David. I want to claim that for our homes and for our lives. And as we are we are building our lives around the things that please God, he's going to be focused on building our homes. So maybe this is for you today. Maybe there's a way in which this is speaking to you, one of your children maybe isn't serving the Lord, or maybe things aren't the way that you would love them to be in your family. You're not seeing the manifestation of this promise in your family right now. Can I tell you to just hold on? Hold on. Because God will always come and back up his word with his character. Sometimes we have to wait to see the manifestation of it. But hold on. Don't give up hope. Hold on to that substance of his word. And his character today. So God, in this moment, we just claim this promise over our homes and over our lives and over our families. God, you are a good God. And there are so many promises in your word that we can apply to our lives and our, and our families. And so today, God, we believe that as we put you first, as we put all of your promises and your word first in our lives and in our homes that you're going to show up and you're going to help us to build our homes. That your love, your power, your grace will be at work in our homes and in our lives and in our children's lives. Because God, we want to see them grow up to have an impact on their generation. We want to see them take the faith that we've wrestled with, and the insecurities we've wrestled with, and the things we don't know, we want to see them step into a greater anointing and a greater um, just heaviness of your presence to be able to walk with boldness into the places that you're calling them to go. And God, when we look at the world around us, we know that it's not getting any better, and they're going to need to know your voice. They're going to need to know that you are with them. And so, God, I pray for every family that's represented here today. That as we build our lives around you, that you come with your power and you build our homes. And we thank you for it. We're going to praise you and thank you for it every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.